Hello, everybody. Welcome to Be The Vibe Radio. And it's me, your hostess, Crystal Sun. Um, I, first of all, am amazed that we are almost through the first month of the year. I'm looking at my calendar and it says January 21st of 2020. And I'm just like, wow, like I feel like we just celebrated New Year's. So I'm already knowing that this year is going to be a whirlwind. It's going to go by so fast. And it just seems like, you know, the more that we evolve and the more that we, you know, are on this path, like it's just time just goes by so fast. It's just so amazing. So I just wanted to open up by sharing how I feel about that because what I'm realizing is that time is so precious. You know, we don't have any more time. It's like, you know, so interesting without getting too like philosophical. It's so interesting how on one hand, it's like we we live forever. You know, our souls continue to recycle and incarnate. But then on the other hand, we still have a limited, a finite amount of time. So I'm just like, wow, talk about a mind fuck. But yes, I'm so excited for today's topic because we are going to get into something really juicy, which is the topic of sex, right? Sex and spirituality. And this is something I've been wanting to address for a while now. Um, because it's so overlooked, you know, the, the blending of sex and, and, and spirituality, you know, it's like, we keep it separate, right. For whatever reasons, like we don't address or approach sexuality holistically. So today's topic, I'm going to get right into that, uh, talking about that. Uh, The topic is there is no spiritual evolution without sexual evolution. So I've been on actively on my spiritual journey for the past 10 years. Um, and what started it was I got divorced. You know, I got divorced. And it's always some, you know, catalytic event that prompts us, you know, to, to, to move forward in our spiritual journey. But I'd been through a very painful divorce. And I really was just in a space of, you know, wanting to heal from that, but also figuring out you know, why it went wrong, what was wrong with me, why was I attracting these toxic relationships and just all these different things that I was investigating in regards to the failure of that, of that um, relationship. And so at the time, you know, it was just a lot of reflection, a lot of soul searching, uh, a lot of really wanting to understand myself, who I am, what I am. And it was a lot of self-healing. So it's so funny because at the time, <clears throat> it really was about me. Like I wasn't going into this wanting to be a spiritualist for others or a healer for others. I was really just trying to fix myself, right? <laughs> My issues. Um <clears throat> But as I was going through that, uh, one thing that really uh, I really dove into was just ex- uh, examining my sexuality because I recognized that my sexuality is very important aspect of who I am, and that's just me. You know, I, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but for me, sex is important. Sexuality is important. The freedom to express myself and explore sexually is important. It was important then, and it still remains important now. So. Once I identified that, I really started being real with myself, you know, about how I identify and, you know, what I like, what I don't like, um, you know, what is what I like as far as in the bedroom, how I like my partners, um, all of that. And so once I started really examining my sexuality on a deeper level, it shifted. 
you know, at the time, you know, I'm in my mid twenties and I'm just like, you know, you know, I was hoeing it, (laughs) hoeing it out, you know, like I like sex. And so I was approaching it on a very surface level. Um, not to say that I was sleeping around a lot because I'm at the same time, I'm still picky about who I engage with. But, um, once I f- would find that partner or a couple partners, like it was like, all, all everything goes for the most part, you know, and I learned to be okay with that. Um, but then as I started to really dive deeper, I, my sexuality shifted, it became more spiritual, it became more sacred. Right. And so, um, Then as I started to really move into other aspects of spirituality, um, as I evolved, my sexuality evolved. And now 10 years later, um, it's still evolving. But my point is that I approached this exploration and this evolution holistically. I didn't separate my sexuality from my spirituality. You know, I recognize that as one grows, the other grows, right? So that is what I'm presenting in this podcast today, in this episode today, is how to approach your your sexuality in a way that is expanded, that's not limited. Because, you know, <laughs> from what I'm observing, there is a lot of limitations when it comes to, to sexuality, even from those who are so-called spiritual. Now, as I mentioned in previous episodes, I have been in the spiritual community for a long time and long enough to have seen some things. And, you know, (laughs) those who are part of these spiritual communities are very fortunate that I'm not here to whistleblow because I've seen some things that could really ruin reputations, but that's not the point of what I'm saying. The point is, is that I've seen some things in these spiritual communities that um, have been a concern for me, a deep, deep rooted concern, because I've noticed a lot of practices that are extremely harmful to the community when it comes to approaches on sexuality. Um, What I have noticed is members of these spiritual communities fall into a few categories, right? The first category is that you have a group of people in these spiritual communities that are too rigid. They are conservative, uber conservative. They are Puritan and they're thinking, you know, very Christian-like, you know, so people, it's so funny how a lot of people come out of these Abrahamic religions go into spirituality, but they have the same mindset that they had in these Abrahamic religions. So they, they apply these concepts into spirituality that are not conducive, that don't really essentially apply. So there's all these policing of the sexuality of others in a way that is no different than going to church in a sense, right? And so these people are rigid, they're judgmental. Um, they apply these limitations, these rules that are that are not even real when it comes to whatever practice of spirituality that they're in outside of being Christian. Um, that's one category. The other category is on the other side of the spectrum, which is just as harmful or even maybe about even more so is that you have a group of people in the spiritual community that are too loose, right? Now, this is, this is something that I've seen, to be honest with you, since I've been in Atlanta. There's a lot of groups in Atlanta that are so-called spiritual, but the, the type of sexual engagement is void of any boundaries, right? And 
In order to have a healthy sexual practice and a healthy spiritual practice, you have to have boundaries, some kind of boundaries. So, you know, but in, in, but I, what I've seen (laughs) is, you know, I'll go to, uh, events or retreats or, you know, gatherings. And there's just this almost like a, a, a free for all sexual free for all, um, that is just not an, an exchange of sexual energy. That's just not healthy. Um, I've also seen on, in that group, certain sexual, um, um, predators, like this predator energy, um, because of the lack of boundaries. Right. So on one hand you have people who are too rigid and they, they're, you know, they approach their spirit, their sexuality from a, a Christian mindset and they're supposed to be so-called spiritual. Then you got people who are too loose and they don't have any boundaries, um, which creates a whole other, other issue. Now, the third category is what I like to call the spiritual church moms, right? So these are, are you know, the grandmas, the moms, the aunties in the spiritual community that, that basically police everybody's sexuality and, and everybody's sexual um, uh, engagements, right? And the reason why this is so funny to me is because, the, you know, they kind of remind you of, for those of you who've gone to traditional old school conservative Christian churches as women, uh, you know, you you go in and if you're, you, you're, you go in and you sit in the pew and if your skirt is above your knee, how they come and they put the cloth across your skirt <laughs> in order to maintain your, your purity because <laughs> you're, that's what the spiritual church moms, that's the energy that they bring, right? Um, you know, they're, they're here to promote spiritual chastity. Uh, and there's a lot of women, older women, very well-known women in the spiritual community that I'm not going to name that have that energy. Right. And, um, it's actually really interesting to me because at the end of the day, these women who are supposed to be spiritually free and spiritually expansive and sexually free and sexually expansive are still approaching their sexuality in terms of, Christian principles, right? They haven't decolonized their sexuality, even though supposedly they're decolonizing their spirituality. And so there's a disconnect. And so I'll share a story. So there's a woman who is very well known in the Atlantic community. She's a spiritual elder, um, you know, pretty much just a pillar in the spiritual community. You know, I'm definitely not going to say the name, but, you know, she, you know, her, she says that she's free and she's open and, she also maintains that her religion is love. Um, however, you know, for those of you who may know me and know what I do, I'm a professional, uh, a sex professional. I am a dame, a dominatrix. And so that is actually something I've incorporated into my spiritual practice. It's, it's, you know, it's holistic for me. Right. So for those of you who, who, may know me prior to Atlanta, it's no surprise that I'm in the BDSM community because I have been for the past 10 years, ironically, since my marriage and divorce, I've been a part of these communities on a personal level, on a lifestyle level. Um, But recently within the last year, I've transitioned that into incorporating it into my spirituality and also make a professional aspect of it, right? So for those of you who know me before Atlanta, it's no surprise. For those of you who've known me since Atlanta, it caused this big stir up, right? And so the funny thing is that this so-called elder, um, she had an issue with me 
being a dame. She has an issue with me being a dame. Um, she uh, spoke at length about her objection to my approach to my sexuality. And she challenged or attempted to challenge the legitimacy of my platform, which is that BDSM and kink is spiritual, but it, it, it's, it's that way if you make it that way. And I've made it that way. So it was so interesting for someone to have this platform of spiritual and sexual freedom and my religion is love, but to directly challenge and take issue with my approach to my sexuality and my spirituality. And she's just one example of, of the church mom. You know, there's a lot of, you know, elders that I see on social media that, you know, any little thing outside of basically saving yourself for your partner, it's just like they go on these, these uh, tangents about. Like I've seen quite a few so-called, you know, and I say so-called because I question that. You know, I question someone who's calling themselves an elder who is slut shaming or judging younger members of the community for how they are living their lifestyle when that lifestyle is not directly negatively impacting the community. And that could be a whole other episode. But my point is that I received a lot of backlash from this elder um, to the point where she spoke ill about me to others. And it was just this whole thing, right? Um, and there were a couple of other elders too that ended up, you know, wanting to question me about my sexuality, which is non-negotiable. <laughs> my sexuality is non-negotiable. Um, how I approach my sexuality is non-negotiable. Um, but again, my point is that you have these whole group of the spiritual church moms that whose sole duty and responsibility in their mind is to police the sexuality of the community, but specifically the women, the younger women in the community. Now, this last group of people, which is my favorite, <laughs> is what I call the Ankrite uh, or the, the members of the Black conscious community. And the reason why I laugh and the reason why I say they're my favorite is because they're my favorite to debate. They're kind of my favorite to, to poke at because they're so rigid and passionate about their way of thinking. But the way of thinking around sexuality is um, very uh, uninformed and very ignorant, right? Now, at the same time, though, on a serious note, the members of the Black conscious community are the ones that are, to me, that I've observed to be the most detrimental and the, and the most hindrance to sexual evolution because of just the mindset. You know, first of all, you know, it's the, the Black conscious community mindset is very rooted in patriarchy. Um, the, the Black conscious community is very victim focused. So, you know, there's a lot of victim blaming, but there's also a lot of playing the victim for members of the Black conscious community. Uh, the other issue is um, the, the misogyny. There's a lot of misogyny coming out of the Black conscious community. So, and a lot of intolerance, um, a certain level of intolerance that's actually kind of concerning to me. So these are the, 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 the people that, you know, when I post my Instagram pictures and videos, they're going to come out the woodworks to challenge me about, um, you know, 
uh, how uh, pegging is 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 of, of the white man and it's the devil and you know I'm promoting homo um, a humble sexuality or they're the ones that when I post videos of pictures of, you know, whipping my subs. They're the ones that talk about how, oh, our ancestors were slaves and they were whipped and we shouldn't be doing that. And, you know, it's just this whole, it's a, it's actually quite, like I said, comical, but sad at the same time. Right. Um, however, at the same time, these are the same, and they're usually men, like 9.5 times out of 10, it's black men that come out of these groups that are directly challenging me or attempting to challenge me, I'll say. But at the same time, though, these same men will hit my inbox asking to be subs, asking to serve me. Um, so that lets me know that there is just this, um, you know, the, what the thing is, is with the black conscious community when it comes to sexuality is fear and trauma. There's a lot of fear and a lot of trauma. But instead of really looking at that and dissecting that and being willing to explore the trauma and explore the fear, there's just this immediate pushback against anything that triggers them when it comes to sexuality. And so the, you know, there's a lot of people that fall into that group and more than being too rigid, more than being too loose, more than the spiritual church moms, I find that the members of the black conscious community are the most dangerous when it comes to sexual evolution. The one thing, the main point that I want to drive home in this episode today is that sex is spiritual. There is no separation between your spirituality and your sexuality. And for those of us who are truly on this path, who are truly diving deep and and applying this path to all aspects of our lives, we find this to be true. There's even recorded histories of this fact. For example, you have the sacred whores. You have the the, uh, uh, sacred whore temples ancient temples where prostitutes lived and people would come to them for, yes, sex, but also to receive healing within that sexual engagement. These women were honored and they were paid for their services <laughs> very well. Um, you know, but these temples were were very well known, very well documented. You have the Sibyls or the Oracle of Delphi, you know, and, you know, the Oracle of Delphi was a, a prophetess that was very well known that people, you know, would come to uh, important people like kings and, uh, you know, generals and, you know, just important people that would come to her for her ability to foresee the future and and tell the future. But the way that she would do that is that she would go into orgasm. And once she was in orgasm, she would download these uh, prophecies. And for those of you who've seen the movie 300, um, that scene where they go to the Oracle and she goes, you know, to 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 uh, find out questions about like the future and the battle, and she goes into trance, like a, a orgasmic trance, and then she, you know, recites all these, um, you know, these foretellings of the future, these riddles. Um, that's an exact depiction of what the Oracle of Delphi or the Sibyls would do, and it was orgasm or sexual energy that would bring forth these these these. Uh, visions. That's sexual. Um, Tantra is another one. You know, Tantra is very popular nowadays, even though it is a practice that is, you know, a few thousand years old. But the very basics of Tantra is 
the use of sexual energy for transformation, whether it's healing, uh, whether it's transforming yourself, your relationship. And even though you've got different types of Tantra, you know, you've got white Tantra, red Tantra, pink Tantra, regardless of the school of Tantra, the fact still remains that the purpose is the use of sexual energy and the, and the uh, transmutation of sexual energy. Okay, so these are just a few examples. I can probably go down a whole hour list of more examples, but, you know, my my point still remains regardless. You know, it's just that, again, you cannot have your spiritual evolution without your sexual evolution. And that does not happen. That evolution doesn't happen until you're willing to explore your sexuality and look at it from all sides. Another thing that I want to address is this mass emergence of the African traditional religions in the diaspora. So I've said this before in previous episodes, but there is a mass awakening of African-Americans leaving their traditional Christian or Abrahamic uh, religions and transitioning into ATRs, African traditional religion. But the issue is that even though they leave the practices of Christianity behind, they're not leaving the mindset. So they go into these ATRs with these Christian mindsets and they attempt to approach an ATR with that. And it just it doesn't work because 100 percent of the concepts of Christianity don't apply in any ATR. And that's the reason why a lot of African-Americans have issues adjusting and even understanding these African uh, these concepts in the ATRs. Now, you know, sex is another one of those concepts, right? So I've seen a lot of people who are, you know, uh, Ifar practitioners, Lukumi practitioners, Voodoo practitioners that um, are, uh, who uh, judge other people's sexuality the same they same they same way they would if they were in it on, on in a church on Sunday, and um, that's not the way that this works. Um, first of all, those of who understand the history of ATRs, specifically in the diaspora, understand that sex workers and those who are criminals or on the fringes of society are the backbone of our practices. And the reason why is because they left their traditional practices because the ATRs were the only ones that were really embracing them. So I know there's a, a you know, a very well-known um, uh, uh, priestess, and I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but there was a very well-known priestess that was a madam, and she had a whorehouse. But she also um, was, you know, a very well-known and influential um, elder in the Lukumi tradition, and she had a lot of godchildren. So, you know... This ain't Christianity. This is what I want folks to understand. Those who are practicing ATRs, this ain't Christianity. So you can't approach these practices with that mindset. And not if you are expecting to be able to grow and to evolve, right? Something else about that too was is the importance of sex in our spiritual frame. Now, our spiritual frame or our spiritual core are spirits that are around us that are guides to help us through our journey, right? So we have our ancestors and that's our blood lineage. Then we have spiritual guides in our spiritual court that are commissioned to help us evolve and help us grow. And depending on who we are and what our mission is, we may have certain spirits. Now, for me, 
I'm going to speak to myself just as an example. I have spirits in my spiritual frame that are sex positive. I have spirits in my spiritual frame that actually sanction my sex work as a dame and support it. So yes, I could be rigid and I could limit myself and I could deny that part of myself, but doing so also will cause me to deny those particular spirits. And for those of us who practice um, spiritualism, spiritism, we know that as we evolve, our spirits and our spiritual frame evolve. And it's a mutual relationship that enhances our growth and brings us a lot of blessings and a lot of abundance. So if I'm over here denying that part of myself, that means that those spirits, particular spirits in that part of my spiritual frame are not evolving either. And we just all stuck. So that's another reason why I say it's very important for you to explore who you are, what you are, what you have in your spiritual frame, your ancestors, all aspects of it to make sure that you, again, are approaching this holistically. So that way you are honoring all aspects of your spiritual power. Because essentially, for me, if I'm denying those spirits in my spiritual frame, I'm also denying my abundance because those spirits also bring me money. Right. Something else I want to point out, sex and divination. As a matter of fact, divination is sex. So earlier I mentioned the Oracle Delphi and how she would go into orgasmic state in order to download her prophecy. Um, that is something that, well, that's one example of that. But, and side note, all women have that ability. All women have that ability. We're Women, we're biologically made in order to go into trance or um, or possession during orgasm. And that's if you have the right kind of orgasm, like a full body um, energetic orgasm will put you in that state. I've experienced that. So all women have that ability. So that's just one example of the sexual nature of divination. But the other aspect is the actual divination tools and methods themselves. For example, in Ifa or even Lukumi, getting those types of divinations, the whole act is compilation and giving birth. So, you know, anybody who's, uh, you know, received a Ifa or a Lukumi uh, divination understand that the Odu births different aspects, right? So, um, once the Odu is birthed, then there's certain themes or certain stories or certain um, prophecies that come out of the birth of that Odu or the birth of that divination. And there's no birth without copulation. There's no birth without sex. Um, so those are just a few examples of the influence of sex and sexuality within the ATRs. And I could go into a whole bunch more, but I'll probably save those for another episode. I know I tend to do that, <laughs> save a lot of juicy stuff for other episodes, but that's just a few examples. And it's not just the ATRs where this energy is present. There is a high amount of sexual energy in root work, conjure, hoodoo. And it's funny, last year I had put a post on Instagram saying, you know, real witches don't such shame. And it's true, you know, like those who are truly practitioners, who are true brujas, who really are doing their workings and understand the, the technology and the root energy of their workings understand this fact that 
our magic is sex, sexual nature, period, point blank. You know, and what I've found with my workings is that the more that I'm in tuned with my kundalini, with my chi, with my chi energy, with my with my root and sacral and and solar plexus, the more that I am tapped into those energies and those energies are activated, the stronger my workings are. Um, you know, the more that I put ritual into feeling sexy and getting the sexual energy up as I'm doing my workings, the stronger, the more effective they are. And for those of us who are, are, are really in this practice, we understand that. So I know for me, it just causes me to be, you know, a little side eye a little bit for, you know, those who call themselves witches, who again are policing because there's always that theme of policing the sexuality of others, slut shaming of their fellow sisters, um, based off of their own insecurities or their own lack of understanding of what this magic ship is really about. Something else I really want to address that's super important is this gender and sexual preference does not apply in spirituality. Okay. Um, the reason why is because spirit don't care. Spirit does not care about how you identify in regards to gender. Spirit don't care about who you fucking, okay? Um, first of all, the reason why is because, for one, a lot of that stuff is blurred when it comes to the spiritual realm. The only thing that spirit is concerned with is are you fulfilling your destiny? Are you fulfilling your spiritual contracts that you came in with? Now, if your gender identity and your sexual preferences interfere with your purpose and your mission, then yes, spirit is going to have an issue, but it's they're not going to take issue with the fact that you're gay or straight or that you're trans. They're going to just take issue with the fact that you ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing, which that would be something that would be an issue or that would be a concern even if you were straight and you did identify as to your gender of birth. You know what I'm saying? So, and I could speak to this because as a practitioner and an initiate in multiple, multiple ATRs, I've seen this theme consistently. Um, what I've seen in the Lukumi or the Arisha community is that Arisha don't care about your gender preference and your sexual preference. You know, people are not, don't get denied initiation because they're homosexual. They don't get denied initiation because they identify as trans. Um, as a matter of fact, my own Elay is super LGBT friendly. Um, I don't really think there's a, a, there's, well, there may be a few, but most of my Elay consist of people who are, you know, members of the LGBT community or who are trans. Um, there is no discrimination because at the end of the day, when you sit down and do that divination and spirit speaks, spirit is not concerned with, you know, the things that humans are concerned with, to be quite honest. Same thing I've seen um, with mambos. Talk, I've had a few elders, mambos, who've talked about um, how the Lua don't care about your sexual practices or your gender identity. Um, Lua, and really, spirit doesn't even care about your, uh, your, your race or ethnicity either, but that's a whole other unpopular opinion that I'm not even going to address in this episode because this episode is not about that. Um, but my point remains the same. You know, when you go to sit on the mat 
to determine whether or not you need to be initiated or brought into a particular ATR, your spirit or your character is being assessed, not specifically your gender identity or your sexual preference. So I don't pay attention to anyone that comes in that says, oh, um, you know, you if you're gay, you can't be initiated in IFA. If you're now, there's certain, there's certain, now we'll say this, there are certain um, spirits in these traditions that have certain guidelines and, um, but that's that particular spirit. So, yes, you do have certain um, facets of these cultures or these religions where you may only have men that are a part or you may only have women that are a part. Um, but that is a whole different thing. It's it's just about the specifics of that one particular spirit. It's not so much about the whole religion itself and what the religion requires. Right. Um, anything outside of that is politics you know, on the religion's part or the personal judgments or personal prejudices of the priest or priestess that is bringing in um, their particular godchildren, right? And yes, each priest or priestess has that right. However, at the end of the day, when it's the spirit that determines and spirit don't care. Um, There's um, a priestess, a voodoo priestess that uh, she talked about um, the concept of um, initiating or trans people, like people changing their um, gender, um, going through operations to change their body in order to become, to transition into, you know, another gender. And what she said was very interesting. She pointed out that, you know, in Voodoo, in African Voodoo, in her tradition of Voodoo, it doesn't matter so much that a person changes their gender as long as they have permission from their ancestors, from their spirits. So if they get a divination and the spirits say that it's okay to transition, then that's what it is. If they get a, a divination and the the spirits say, no, they cannot, that may be a particular taboo, then, then that's when it becomes an issue. And that's what I've consistently seen as, you know, a theme in these ATRs. So I want to point this out because I don't want nobody coming in and saying, you can't be gay and or you can't be bi or you can't be whatever and be a part of these African traditional religions. You can't be trans and be a part of these African traditional religions because again, as I've been saying, it's not the man that determines that and that um, entryway into these traditions, it's the spirits. All right, and the last part that I want to cover is how we can evolve sexually. And what I found is that the the most effective way to branch out and blossom when it comes to our sexuality is that we have to decolonize. We have to decolonize our sexuality. And you know, I'll speak from my own example of the different ways that I've done that. So the first thing we have to do is we have to be honest about who and what we are. You have you have to be honest about who you are and what you are when it comes to your sexuality. So remember earlier when I was sharing my story, you know, I was talking about how, you know, I went through this whole phase of just really like looking at the different aspects of myself. And the first thing I had to be honest about is the fact that I'm not straight, right? Anyone who knows me knows, you know, that I'm not straight, 
you know, and that's another big thing, you know, in the black conscious community, which is why I kind of don't even really deal with a lot of people in the black conscious community because there's a lot of homophobia. But my reality is that I like women and I also like men. My reality as well is that I am, I do find myself attracted to some trans peoples. You know, there's some trans women I've been attracted to and some trans men that I've been attracted to. And so I had to be honest about myself, honest with myself in regards to that. But not only that, be okay with it. You know, be okay that these, this is what I'm attracted to. This is what I like. You know, my, I I don't, I'm not into vanilla sex, you know, and vanilla is a term in the BDS community, which is like normal, uh, you know, one-on-one sex and missionary and just the, you know, the basic stuff. I like, I like kinks. I'm into BDSM, you know, um, I had to be honest about that with myself and be okay. So that's the first way to decolonize your sexuality is to first take a look, look at it and be honest with yourself about who and what you are. The next thing is work through your traumas because what ends up happening is that once we we realize what it is that we like and what we're into, there's a certain level of shame that comes with it because of just how we're conditioned. You know, so as I was coming out of a Christian background and, and transitioning into my spiritual practice, the fact that I like women, there was a certain level of shame. It was like, oh my God, I'm going to hell and, you know, and oh my goodness, like this is, this is blasphemy. And, but then you know, I had to work through those, that shame, you know, I had to work through that, that trauma around that. Um, the biggest thing too, that I had to really understand was that this is how I made. So if I made this way, there's a reason for it, you know, so work through your traumas. The biggest part too, for those of us who are people of color is especially black people is the traumas that we have around slavery you know, because it, it keeps us from really exploring and, and tapping into things that are, uh, <clears throat> that would be ultimately healthy for us. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. <clears throat> I should probably drink some water. <clears throat> okay. So yes, work through your traumas. You know, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, how a lot of black people see certain sexual practices and we automatically are triggered because we attribute them to remnants of slavery. We have to, we have to work through that. The only, because that's the only way that we're going to reclaim our sexuality and make it ours. You know, our, our bodies and our sex have, sexuality have, have been the property of others for hundreds of years. So in order to reclaim it, we have to work through those traumas, Right. Something else that's important is you must identify the place that sex has in your life Um, because that is where you will discover how to prioritize it. Now, for me, sex is extremely important. So it has a higher priority, which means that I do a lot of work around it and I incorporate it in a lot of what I do. But for other people, sex may not be as important, you know, so but until you find out like where it places in your practice, you're not going to know what to do with (laughs) your sex and sexuality. Right. So identify the place that sex has in your life. And then at that point, learn what your boundaries are around it. Now, I I said earlier that it's very important to have boundaries when it comes to your sex, um, sexual practices and your spiritual practice, specifically for those who are light beings or who are 
empaths because we attract a lot of people to us. We attract a lot of people to us and a lot of people come to us because they are in need of healing. But it translates for them as they are attracted to us sexually or they want to be in a relationship or engage with us on a certain level. Now, if we don't have boundaries, if we don't know how to recognize that, then we just go for it. And that's how a lot of us end up with narcissistic um, partners or toxic partners or how we end up with um, for clients as, as mates, right? So again, you know, identify the place that sex has in your life and then learn what your boundaries are, right? Let go of the idea of right or wrong. There is no such thing as right or wrong in any of these uh, practices. And I know that may sound weird, um, but it's not, you know, that's another issue that a lot of us have with leaving Christianity and going to an ATR because we have this idea that this is right and this is wrong. And it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. Let go of the idea of right or wrong because one, that's going to allow you to to further release that Christian programming, but two, it also help you release the shame or any guilt or traumas that you have around your sexual practices. Instead, it's important to have a mindset of what's harmful and not harmful, right? Because something you can identify something as being right, quote unquote, but it's still harmful, <laughs> you know. Um, you can identify something that's wrong and it's not harmful. So incorporate what's harmful versus not harmful. Um, Incorporate what's ethical versus unethical. So those are ways that you can further decolonize your sexuality. And the final way to decolonize your sexuality is do not compromise it. And once you're honest about who you are and you work through your traumas, you have your boundaries and you're clear on where sex is placed in your life, at that point, you can be solid and firm about who and what you are in regards to your sexuality and be uncompromising. Okay. Um, that is one hard line that I have when it comes to all of my relationships, my friendships, um, you know, my partnerships, my family relationships is I do not compromise my sexuality for anyone or anything. And it took me a while to get to that point, but you know, it, for me, because sex is important, I had to, Right. And me being uncompromising about my sexuality is actually what's allowed me to evolve the most. Okay, so be who you are, be what you are, be honest about it, be uncompromising. Don't allow anyone to dictate your sexuality. Be sovereign in who you are when it comes to that, because that is what will lead you to your liberation. So that is it. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope this episode has been of some benefit to you. I hope it's been encouraging and enlightening. I definitely enjoyed uh, talking about it, recording it, because I definitely love the topic of sex. (laughs) Uh, So I definitely will be doing some more episodes in regards to this theme. But you know, just so you're aware, um, this convergence of sex and sex and spirituality 
is my theme for 2020. So a lot of the work I'll be doing will be along these lines. Uh, now, you know, for those of you who may not be aware, I do have a membership on my website called, you know, it's Be The Vibe Members. And so for these next few months, I will be doing a lot of workshops and webinars on sacred sexuality. So a lot of you have reached out to me asking about sacred sex, sex rituals, uh, dominatrix work, BDSM and kink. Um, I encourage you to join the membership because that's where all those questions and education will be addressed um, directly with my members. Um, so yeah, you can go on be the vibe.com and you can join. There's a little pop-up that allows you to join my membership. It's $9.99 a month. Um, it gives you access to resources, blogs, webinars on all top topics of spirituality, but specifically between now and probably about April, it'll be specifically sacred sex will be the theme of what we'll be talking about. Um, other than that, again, I enjoyed recording this, this episode for you all. If you want to reach me, uh, I have a website, like I mentioned, be the vibe.com. You can hit me on there. There's a contact form, uh, for those who want to connect. I am on Instagram, chrysalis underscore sun. I'm on Facebook as chrysalis sun, or you can email me directly at therapeutic vibrations at gmail.com. I definitely, appreciate you all support with this podcast. I'm so grateful as to how it's been growing. So I'm grateful for you all as the audience. And um, that's all I got. Uh, Until next time, peace and blessings. (music) 